And it's time now for a time of inspiration, worship, and teaching uh, presented by the Calvary Bible Church and the senior pastor, Pastor Lazelle. Well, good morning, and I want to thank you for being a part of this worship service today. That truly is my heart, that you will be worshiping through this time. The date is May the 17th in the year of our Lord, 2020. And thank you for being committed to worshiping our God. There is no doubt that even when we go through difficult times like we're in right now, that that worship sometimes is even sweeter. The instruction might be increasing or maybe you're being more creative with the instruction that you're getting. We are blessed as a church to have WMPC and this radio station broadcast. And I know there are many from our church family listening and also many that aren't able to gather at their own church on this day and they're listening. And so I want to welcome you right into this worship time as we do worship our Lord together. What we'll be doing over the next hour or so is we're going to be singing, and we've selected some songs that hopefully will lead you uh, to reflect back to God, the appreciation that you have for Him. We're going to ask you to open your Bibles. If you want to go ahead and get them ready, you can turn to Romans chapter 5, and we're going to be worshiping through there, and then also we're going to be having a prayer time at the end. Let me tell you who some of our worship leaders are going to be for the day, and uh, we're thankful for the group GLAD. They're going to be encouraging us with our worship. Also, the Don Marsh Singers, Ryan Bard's going to encourage us with the song Behold Our God, one of the new ones we've added to our church uh, worship, and that's a blessing. Russell Dean, and then also Fernando Ortega will be the last artist of the day. And I don't think I'm speaking out of place by saying this, but I think it's fair to say that we're going to give these worship leaders some notice. It might be their three-week notice or two-week notice, uh, but we are anticipating meeting back at the church sometime in the near future. Please do pray for the church leadership at Calvary. We have a meeting this coming Tuesday. We'll talk through some of those issues, and we do covet your prayers and we also uh, look forward to the time when we can meet back together. I think at a minimum we'll be able to have some live worship coming from the church in a couple weeks. And then, uh, Lord willing, we'll be meeting together as a church family sometime very soon. But these guys have been pretty good fill-ins for our praise team, so we're thankful for them. Would you go ahead and pray with me as we begin our time together? <clears throat> Heavenly Father, as we look to you, we come with an anticipation that we are going to have some feelings within us that are stirred that would want to worship you. We come with an anticipation that we will open the word of God and that the Holy Spirit would be clearly present teaching and that you would bless as we look through our study in Romans and that that would make a change in our life, how we walk according to your word. We also look with anticipation to prayer, knowing that we always have your ear. The blessing it is to be your children. And we would ask, Heavenly Father, that everything that is said and all that's going on with the worship all around the area and even in other states uh, this morning, that it would be very, very pleasing in your sight. Thank you that right now you're looking down upon each one of us. And your omnipresence gives us the blessing that not only are we worshiping ourselves, but you are present with us and receiving that worship. And so would you allow us to reflect back to you that joy that you have put in our hearts. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
we're going to have our first song today, and it's not one you might be able to sing along with uh, perfectly, but hopefully it's going to put a pep in your step and prepare you for worship. We're going to uh, be encouraged by the song, Be Ye Glad. Sing.
Well, as we continue to worship, we're going to turn from song to the scriptures. And there are probably some who, when they go through situations in life, are asking the question, why is this happening? Or perhaps some fear might grip your hearts. You're in good company if you have had some fear or been afraid. You're in the company with the followers of Jesus Christ. And before we ask you to sing the song, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms, I want to read from Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 35. It's a familiar story where they were in the boat together, but they were having different feelings about this. The Bible says this, On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And the other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and, the, and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? We have a God that is able to take care of any situation that comes our way. And so we are to lean on him. Let's continue to worship. I'm going to ask you to sing Leaning on the Everlasting Arms.
when we come to the scriptures, there are some books that stand out as far as being um, having some different uh, traits than others. One book that stands out as far as having a lot of questions, and we're going to ask you to sing in just a moment with, uh, with a song that asks and answers some questions, is one book that stands out is the book of Job. Of course, Job would have been one that um, had a good reason to ask questions with all the suffering that he went through. When you get toward the end of the book of Job, we find that not only does Job ask questions, but God will ask questions of Job to try to teach him what he wants him to learn from that whole ordeal. And I want to read some of those questions and then the conc- a little bit of conclusion that Job came to. In Job 38, it says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you, and you will make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band and prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said, said, thus far shall you come and no farther and here shall your proud waves be stayed. And after several more questions and a little more lesson for Job in Job uh, chapter forty. It says this in verse 3, Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am of small account, and what shall I answer you? I lay my hand on my mouth. I have spoken once, and I will not answer twice, but I will proceed no further. When we come to our God, we need to realize how small we are and how great he is but then also how he has included us in his great plan. Just before our message today, we're going to be encouraged with the song, Behold Our God. Who has held the oceans in his hand?
sinful man. God eternal, humble to the grave. Jesus, Savior, risen now to Okay, if I could ask you to go ahead and take your Bible and turn to Romans chapter 5. We're going to be continuing our study in the book of Romans. And um, very, very practical today. Very, very encouraging. And I would encourage you, if you've got a pencil or a pen and some paper handy, to take some notes. Um, I'd encourage you to even underline a few words in your Bibles when we come to them. These would be worth um, underlining, and they're great encouragements as Paul gets extremely practical with this wonderful teaching in the book of Romans. Yesterday, I found myself um, in need of using one of the tablets in our house, one of the electronic tablets. And so I remember picking that up yesterday, and I was trying to access something, uh, but there popped up an alert, not an alert, but just the screen that makes you punch in the passcode. And I looked at that staring back at me, and I had no idea what the password was. My daughter was uh, close by, and so I just called out to her, and I said, Hey, Emma, can you tell me what's the password on this device? 
and I could read the expression on her face, and she basically told me, well, Dad, you're the one that set the password for that device. She was implying that I probably should know that password. She was patient enough with me to give me what that was, and so I could punch it in and open up and have access to what was on there. Now, if you cannot remember the password that's on your computer or your tablet, there's a good chance that you won't be able to check your email. You might not have access to the documents that you are needing to access. If you can't remember that password or you don't know the password, you might not be able to get online to do what you are planning on doing. Well, what we're going to see from Romans chapter 5 today is the wonderful benefit of being a child of God. And in order to take advantage of these benefits, you have to be able to access them with the right password. And the password that Paul has been telling us for quite some time now, specifically in Romans chapter 3, that password is Jesus. We cannot get any further with these benefits that God offers to his children unless we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. Once we've done that, then the benefits will be so beautiful and we could take advantage of them. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, the benefits of being a believer. We're only going to cover five verses in Romans chapter 5, and as we look at these, um, they're very, very practical. We are going to be building on uh, the first three chapters, really, that talk about the wrath of God. Every one of them was equally guilty, no matter who they were, what their family tree was. And then in Romans chapter 3, he introduces these pillars of our faith, incredible words like grace and justified and even propitiation. So he gives us some huge themes. And then in chapter 4, what the Apostle Paul did was basically give us an illustration of that. Gave us the beautiful illustration of Abraham and how his faith was what God saw. And that's what was counted to him as why righteousness was counted to his account. And now he gets very, very practical. Let me read the first five verses of Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. All right, so what we find right in the beginning here is that for those who are, are adopted children of God, there are, he says, he starts chapter 5 with the word therefore, and then he says, since we have been justified by faith. And that's how I'm going to start each one of my main points today. Since we have been justified by faith. 
And then we're going to look at some benefits that come along with that, specifically four benefits that Paul gives us here in these five verses. And so if you are taking notes, number one, since we have been justified faith, we have peace with God. I have that word peace underlined in verse one of Romans five in my Bible. We have peace with God. Now, what we find here is a peace treaty that has been signed. And actually, it's a little bit ahead, but if you look at verse number 10, it talks about we were reconciled to God. That's another reference to this peace treaty. Because of what has happened between man and between God, one of the benefits that the child of God has is peace. We talked a little bit about the incredible price that Christ paid so we could have this. We're given a very vivid picture in Isaiah 53, verse 5, where it says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. Peace was on Christ's mind when he paid the price on the cross. Now let me mention that this description here is a legal description. This is uh, this uh, description of peace is something that is not necessarily a feeling, although we'll talk about that. But this is a legal description. But it appears that there are some people in this world that don't have Jesus Christ, and it appears that some people have peace. I want to mention that many people have peace and it seems like they're just as calm as you are or maybe they're sleeping well at night. But unfortunately, there are many who have a false sense of security, a false peace. And they can have that because what they have done is they have gone and they have built a house in this world and they've put everything in that house that they need to bring them comfort. Maybe protection from the elements, maybe a safe place where they can rest and sleep. They might even be building a house that would be the envy of others that are around them. But the difference in one who has a false peace and a legal peace, a real peace, comes not just in the house, but it comes in the foundation of that house. And of course, many of us are familiar with the children's song, the wise man built his house upon the, what? Upon the rock. And the foolish man built his house upon the sand. And so even though there are men who are building, and it looks pretty good, and it gives them a, a sense of peace, if they do not have the foundation of Jesus Christ, then what they have built is going to crumble. So the first thing that we find here. Since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God. It's a wonderful study for us to look at the names of Jesus. It's, 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 there are so many of them. Perhaps you've seen a poster like I have that has an exhaustive list of all the names of Jesus Christ. And when we look at the names of Jesus Christ want to give you a little bit of a quiz on the titles of Jesus because there's only one that finishes um, in a specific way. Christ has many titles, but I want you to try to finish this three-word title. He is the Prince of well, Peace, of course, is the answer. And I love that. 
The Bible does not call Jesus the Prince of Love. It doesn't call him the Prince of Compassion. Not the Prince of Grace. Primarily, the reason why Jesus came into this world was to make peace between man and God the Father. And so we know that the Apostle Paul says here, since we've been justified, we have peace. Let's go ahead and look at the second thing, the second benefit that we have, the second thing that we can take advantage of. It says there in verse number two, through him we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. So number two, since we've been justified by faith, we have access to God. Now, if you've grown up in a Christian home, or even if you've been around you know, the, the church for quite some time, this is not a surprise to you that we have access to God. That word access gives us a, a, a really interesting picture. It's the picture of someone who is bringing someone else into the presence of another. So it's a middleman, a go-between. If I could ask you to think of this illustration when we think of access, I want you to picture a, a, a beggar, a homeless beggar. And this homeless beggar is going to be granted access to the king. Well, they would not just take that beggar into the presence of the king like he was. There would be someone who would be responsible to make him, here it is, presentable. And that's what we have when we have Jesus Christ. He has made you and I presentable. And we need him for this. We try on our own possibly, but the scriptures tell us that even the best that we can do, all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. We can't go before the king wearing filthy rags. We need someone to make us presentable, to make us acceptable before the king. And in chapter 120 through 319, we saw that none of us before Christ were presentable. None of us had access. But after we get the password, after we know Jesus Christ as our Savior, then what God the Father sees is the righteousness of Jesus. And because of this, we're given access. In fact, we're given access, and then God gives us the key card so we can get back in any time. You and I have access. Now, I mentioned a little bit ago, this doesn't surprise a lot of us. Um, by the way, you can under, underline that word access in verse number two. Many of us are not surprised by this access, but when you study, when you study the history of the religious world, you need to understand this was not normal thinking. This was not common among pagan religions. Pagan religions would think of their gods as these angry individuals. Many of them just kind of had a goal when you study history of, of not ticking them off, not making them angry. And that's pagan religions. Now when we look at uh, followers of Yahweh, when we look at Judaism, we understand that they had a real God. They had a God who was powerful, 
but they did not have this benefit of access. If you can remember the temple in the New Testament and how they would go and how they would worship, we have a good picture of the separation, the lack of access to God, even in Judaism. In that temple, there was a place where worshipers could go. There was one place that the Gentiles could go, but they could only go so far, a little short wall there, and a warning, do not go any further. You are taking your own life in your hands if you go past this point assigned to the Gentiles. Now, there was a bit further that the Jewish women could go. They could get a little bit closer to access God. And then if you were a Jewish man, you could get even closer than that. And then we find that the priests, the priests could get even closer. And they were all going to that place, the Holy of Holies, where we find that curtain that was separating the presence of God from man. And there are different layers of separation and only one guy could actually get into that place. Only one person could go and only once a year. And it was, of course, the high priest. And as the high priest would go in once a year, that was even that was a, a dangerous prospect. As the, as the stories go, they would put bells around his clothes so that if he died, they could pull him out of there if something went wrong or if he didn't go in prepared. Understand that access, even in Judaism, was so limited. And so we need to understand the blessing and privilege that this is that Paul speaks of here. Because that separation between us and God, that ended at the cross. When Jesus Christ paid for our sins. There were so many beautiful things that happened. And there is a significant event that took place during the crucifixion. If you um, write down Matthew 27 and go and read it after this, you will find that the veil in the temple was torn in two. And let me test your memories. What was the direction that the veil was torn? Do you remember? The veil was torn starting at the top. It was torn top to bottom, indicating that God himself was the one who tore the veil. You see what's going on here. No longer is there going to be separation between God and man. For those who have been forgiven, they are going to have direct access to God because God will see them as righteous. Jesus Christ, our high priest, makes this available. All right, I've got the word peace underlined. And also, therefore, since we've been justified, we have access to God. And then the next two, they kind of go hand in hand. But if you're taking notes, number three, since we have been justified by faith, we have hope in our future. We have hope in our future. We're going to go quickly through this one. The second part of verse number two of Romans five says, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. I've got the words hope of glory underlined. When we see that word glory, this is, this is talking about heaven. This is talking about what we have in the future. 
You see, our salvation is anchored in the past at Calvary. But what it does is it brings a promise in the future. It brings a promise that we will see God's glory someday. Paul was one who understood that if in this life only, in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are above all men most miserable. And so a common expression that I would encourage you to use when we think of this idea that we have been granted this future of seeing God's glory, a common expression that you can borrow is this expression, the best is yet to come. Go ahead and just say that, just under your breath. The best is yet to come. And aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful that we have a God who is preparing something amazing for us? Brothers and sisters, the best is yet to come. And so we have a hope in our future. But then we also have another kind of hope that he finishes our passage with. Since we've been justified by faith, we have hope in our today. Hope in our today. Look at verses 3 through 5. Not only that, so let me stop, as if that wasn't good enough, or if you've seen um, any one of those infomercials lately, but wait, there's more. We've got peace, we've got access to God, we've got hope in our future, but wait, not only that, it says, verse 3, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. There it is again. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So yes, we have hope, if I can borrow the, t- the title of the song, we have hope in the sweet by and by, and we are grateful for that. But then we also have hope in the, the nasty now and now, I heard somebody once say. We have hope in this present world. And not just in the good things, but clearly he gives a list of the difficulties here. Our salvation is such a blessing to us. And we discover that following Jesus Christ, that journey is not a journey without pain. That is never promised. And you need to make sure you don't don't give anybody that impression that if you will just follow Christ, come to church, pray this prayer, then your problems will all go away. We do not find that teaching in the scriptures, but don't lose heart. We're going to go through tribulations and we're going to go through pain, but the, the difference is it is pain with a purpose. Imagine going to a dentist. Have you ever heard somebody say, I'm going to the dentist and you kind of felt bad for them? Well, if someone's got a problem with their, with their teeth, cavities or needing work done and they go to the dentist it's not a bad thing they're going to go through some pain and maybe get a shot and maybe have some work done that's going to be difficult but in the end it's going to produce something that's going to be helpful for them their teeth are going to work correctly or they're going to look great a promise that we find in john chapter 16 verse 33 is in this world you will have tribulation now 
I underline in my Bible, and I would encourage you to underline in yours, but my thinking is, is I would never just underline that part of the verse. In this world, you're going to have tribulation, and just underline that. Because the best part comes right after that, where we are told to be of good cheer, for I, that's Jesus Christ, have overcome the world. And so we are justified, and being justified is not an escape from trials, but it means that we'll be able to see a purpose in those trials. Oftentimes, we're here in this world, and we can see down the road what God was doing. And I also believe that sometimes we're going to have to wait till we get to heaven to see what God was doing. But God is good, and there is a purpose in our suffering and so because of that talks about that tribulation it leads to this leads to this leads to hope and then he started verse number three of romans five by saying because of this we rejoice excuse me paul we're supposed to rejoice in our suffering what kind of backwards thinking is that what kind of advertisement is that for being a follower of Jesus Christ? A most helpful lesson for us. Every human is going to learn that there is pain in this world. But in verse 5 of chapter 5, he introduces this theme about trials. And he says that something supernatural is available to us. Did you see it? In Romans 5, 5, we are able to experience the love of God in a supernatural way. That supernatural love of God is going to be poured out upon us by God the Holy Spirit. How beautiful that every one of us hearing this message today not only has access to God, but we have the Holy Spirit present with us. And this is teaching us that we are going to have hope in tribulation, that our trials have purpose, and that while we go through them, there is going to be a miracle that the Holy Spirit shows us the love of God, just the right amount of love that we need to get through that. And so that is what Paul is setting up here. Okay, easy applications from this. Perhaps they've already come to your mind. What can you do with these challenges that we find? Well, first of all, once we experience peace with God, God's plan for us is that we will have the peace of God. Remember earlier I said this promise of peace is a legal promise. This, is, this was based on the work of Christ on the cross. But once we have that legal peace, peace with God, God's plan is for you to have the peace of God. This is the kind of peace that Paul writes about in, Rome, in Philippians chapter 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but by everything, by prayer and supplication, with, th with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the, what? Peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So once we have this legal peace with God, we can have this feeling of peace from God. What else can we do with this? Well, make daily visits to God. 
Since you now have access to God, make daily visits to Him. We find the beautiful picture in Lamentations 3 that God's mercies are new every day. Can I just share with you personally how grateful I am for that? How grateful I am that His mercies are new each day because I use them up. I go to God and I, and I, and I, I ask for mercy and I thank Him for His patience. You need to be going daily to God. His mercies are new each day. You have access to these. What else can we do? Because we, because, uh, we are able to see God's glory in the future, then we have no fear of death. This should take away the fear of death for the follower of Jesus Christ. Now, you may not want to die today or tomorrow, but when we approach a funeral... This should not be for the child, for someone who is a child of God. This should not be just a time of complete misery and weeping. We see the example in the Bible of people weeping at a funeral when Mary and Martha were crying over Lazarus dying, and they knew they were going to see him again. They knew there was going to be a future resurrection, and yet there was a time to mourn. And we see even there that Jesus wept on that occasion. But for you and I, when we approach death, when we approach a funeral, for someone who knew Christ, it it changes everything. It's common that I will do a funeral for someone that I did not know, and I try to ask the question when I interact with a family about their church background or their any kind of faith. And if I don't get any kind of response that they had some kind of a faith in God or Jesus Christ, then all I am stuck, t- stuck talking about is that house that they were building that might have had some nice things in it, maybe some positive things about their character, maybe some things that they worked hard on, things that they're, they were liked for, but that house was not built on the right foundation. And for you, if you know Jesus Christ, then you we'll see God's glory. We see death as going through a door, leaving this world going into the next. And then finally, we can expect God's love to shine through your suffering. Pray that prayer. Understand the Holy Spirit is going to pour out God's love on us so that we can see that through our suffering. He does not promise to remove the suffering. He promises his presence through the suffering. And so we are blessed in this way with these benefits. There was a recent, recent uh, college graduate, and as he went in for a job interview, he sat down, and the person doing the interview asked the question. They said, well, what kind of salary are you going to be expecting from this job? And he sat there and he, th- he said, well, you know, I expect a salary of about $250,000 a year. That's depending on the benefit package, of course. And so the person doing the interview said, okay, well, let me talk about the benefit package. How about a 401k where we match and even double everything that you put into your retirement? How about we give you the best, best health insurance that this state offers how about we give you some stock in our company, which is going to take off and be so, uh, so valuable very soon? 
and even that we give you every two years we give you a brand new car in a lease and you get to pick that car you can even pick a red Corvette if you want for part of your benefit package well he sat up and he said man that sounds great are you kidding to which the interviewer said yes I am kidding but you started it you see he demanded that high salary and so she started talking about a benefit package that would never come listen Paul tells us here that the benefits that come from being justified are literally out of this world but there are also many benefits that come while we are here in this world and Paul as he's encouraging these believers wants them to know what they have in Jesus Christ we need to know these things and hold on to them as we go through our journey because there's going to be times when we need access where we need to get in and you if you know Jesus Christ you know the password and that is Jesus and when you know Jesus he gives all of these things along with eternal life Heavenly Father we do thank you for the wonderful privilege it is to know the security of our future but we also thank you that you know us today that we can lean on you you own everything you have all power you are the security that we need in this present world and I would ask God that you would remind us of that because when we go through the tribulations it's so easy to focus on those struggles or on us not being able to come up with the answer or solution ourselves. and so would you please just help us to remember your promise that you will pour out the love of, that you have for us through the Holy Spirit. We praise you that you help in this way. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to continue with worship just before our prayer time with the song, What a Day That Will Be. There is coming a day when no heartache shall come No more clouds in the sky No more tears to dim the eye All is peace forevermore On that happy golden shore What a day, glorious day that will be what a day that will be when my Jesus I will see and I look upon his face the one who saved me by his grace and he takes me by the hand and leads me through his promised land what a day glorious day that will be there'll be no sorrow there no more burdens to bear no more sickness no pain 
No more parting over there. And forever I will be with the one who died for me. What a day, glorious day that will be. What a day that will be when my Jesus I will see. When I look upon His face, the one who saved me by His grace, when He takes me by the hand and leads me through His promised land, what a day, glorious day that will be! What a day, glorious day that will be. I'm going to ask those of you who are worshiping with us if you would spend just a few minutes in prayer at this time. I'm going to give us some topics and I'm going to throw this prayer request out and just ask all of you just to pray. For these different topics over the radio, there will be some music playing in the background. But take just a moment as these are some pressing issues we need to pray about. First of all, we want to pray for those who are not working uh, during this time. Um, it's not everybody, of course, but uh, there are many people who are financially um, going to be in need. And so can we take just a moment to pray for those who are not working right now, those who are going to be struggling in the upcoming months financially, and then also pray for the opportunity that we as believers might have. Take just a moment to pray for this. Father, we do pray. We pray for those who are uh, maybe not working right now because they've not been allowed to or their job might be going away because of a change in the economy or businesses. And we pray that you would keep our eyes open for how we might be able to serve. Allow us, Lord, to be able to uh, share with the abundance that we have and keep our help us to wear those glasses that would look around and get past the initial uh, questions, uh, courtesy questions, and genuinely want to know how people are doing. And next, I'm going to ask you to pray on the other end of the spectrum for individuals who are working much more right now, many that are stressed out. I've uh, talked to one this week and even had communication with another. And one even mentioned at the start of this, there was this expression, we're all in this together. And it seems that that kind of courtesy has gone away for some. And so I want to ask you to take just a moment right now to pray for the added stress, the additional work um, that many are facing right now, that they'd be able to handle that in a way where they'd be able to see God's love poured into that time. Take a moment to pray now for them. Our Heavenly 
Heavenly Father, we do praise you for these who are not struggling with having their paycheck taken away and and for how they're going to pay their bills, but there's a different stress that's been added. And so would you give them the grace they need to get through each day, help them to see the blessing around them, but also, Lord, give them the wisdom and allow them to be able to have the time to be balanced, um, taking in encouragement from your word and time for worship, while oftentimes folks who are busier working, they might have to be very creative about when they are um, you know, learning from you and, and worshiping you. We pray for them now. And then finally, I want to ask you to pray for our leaders that are serving right now. Let's pray for President Trump and Vice President Pence, Nancy Pelosi, Mitch McConnell, and Governor Whitmer. Would you take a moment right now to pray for them? pray for those that you've put into a position of leadership. I do uh, thank you for the country that we live in. I thank you for the freedoms that we have. And I would ask God that there would be wisdom from you that would be going into decisions they would make. Would you allow us to be lifting them up regularly in prayer, that they would have wisdom in following you. Heavenly Father, it truly is a blessing to be able to call out to you so many of us right now and pray for these that serve. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I do trust that this time of worship has been a blessing and encouragement to you. We're going to have one last song that we're going to be worshiping with, and it's, Lord, I want to be like Jesus. I hope that is your prayer as we go from this worship time today. And I want to ask you to be praying as we are looking uh, towards getting back together and meeting, gathering together at church and doing that in the best possible way. Please do be praying for each other and for the church family. And um, as this has been a challenge for so many, but we are blessed to have this worship time today. And we're going to walk away with a wonderful challenge. Lord, I want to be like Jesus. Jesus. 